Good morning, everybody. This is uh, Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and welcome to this edition of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And joining me in studio today is CEO and founder of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, Doug Field. Good morning, Doug. Uh, Good morning, Brent. How are you doing? Hey, good. Ready for the big, nice weekend we have here in Atlanta. So we've had a good week though, with no humidity in Atlanta. Kind of a rarity in August. Feels like fall. I'm actually going down to to check out the Braves tonight. Hopefully, they can pull it together uh, on a little bit of a skid, but uh, we'll see how they do. But uh, still be fun. Still be fun down at the ballpark. Yeah. Good morning, everybody, and uh, again, welcome to this edition of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And before we start the program i wanted to um go ahead and thank some of our gold sponsors for ihc forum west um that's coming up november 10th through 12th gold sponsors are wageworks and connection thank you very much for being uh gold sponsors of the event coming up and to everybody we do still have the 99 dollars super saver rate that ends on september 8th so go ahead and make sure that you get the the best deal uh, for the event, $99, that gets you full access into the conference, uh, pre-cons. Um. And, you know, probably the, you know, we're in a frenzy of preparing for open enrollment right now, so we can appreciate where our listeners are today. Uh, probably the last thing people are thinking about is attending an event. But it's probably the most important thing they could think about, not just for us, but we put our event in November to, to give people the opportunity to gather around as open enrollment winds down and have that first session to talk with each other and hear about what's going on during this open enrollment period and the first look in at their strategy considerations for 2016. Very important time, November 10th. Most people will be done with open enrollment or winding down. So we've got that $99 super saver out there to give people, you know, budget considerations to, you know, sign up and participate. And the website, uh, the-ihcc.com, and you can find uh, information on registering there. But a great program this morning, Doug. We've uh, got three great guests coming up this morning. The first guest is going to be Stephen Warwick with uh, Health Decisions U.S. And uh, Mr. Warwick has held executive management positions in six, tech, six technology startup companies prior to health decisions. Uh, he founded NanoForge, which is a startup company in, the nano, in nanotechnology um, and was a spin-out at Duke University. So really interested to talk uh, with Stephen about what he's doing there at uh, Health Decisions U.S., I think uh, you know a lot of innovations taking place in this market, and he's really going to talk about next generation tools for consumer health insurance decision support. I mean, just a lot. You know, you know, we talk about it every program, and not only have the guests on this program, but you know, we talk continually about it. I mean, this industry is spurning a lot of innovation, and you know what they're doing around decision support and consumer engagement is very important. So, I look forward to that discussion yeah. with Steve. And Stephen actually founded it, founded the company in July of. Uh, uh, 2013, and really to address the critical need for improvement in consumer decision uh, tools in healthcare. So that's, you know, we talk about that all the time. Decision support tools and health advocacy are, are really big pieces to the the moving healthcare consumerism puzzle, and especially with the the uh, emergence of private exchanges out there, plays a big role there. Um, not only just in the exchanges, but also in in you know the whole benefit plan design and how employers can really move their employee population to becoming that better consumer health and health care. So the second guest um, that's going to be joining us will be Perry Braun. And Perry is actually the executive director of uh, Benefit Advisors Network, uh, BAN. And Perry has had over 25 years in the employee benefits and health care industry. So very deep uh, knowledge in this in this space. And uh, 
Perry's going to talk to us a little bit about what they're doing there at Band, and also focus, um, you know, on the evolution of exchanges, public yep. and private, and big, big space. You know, I had an opportunity to uh, uh, be invited to speak at uh, Perry's uh, annual meeting in uh, February with Band, and it's quality, quality group of benefit advisors representing some quality employers. So it'll be very interesting to see what level of engagement. Uh, his membership and their clients are are moving into this fall with ex- exchanges, and you know what Perry's uh, view is on going forward into next year. You know, one of the you know band was actually founded in 2002, um, and it's it's a national network of independent mm-hmm. brokers for everybody out there, and um, you know they work with their their membership to help those brokers um, you know navigate. I'm sure a lot of things, and Perry will probably elaborate further on this but around health care reform and benefit plan design mm-hmm. and everything uh in between yep so and then be good discussion third guest uh that's going to be joining us today on the program is uh dr graham hughes and uh dr hughes is actually with um sas and what dr hughes is um really going to talk to us about is leveraging big data to improve patient engagement for population health and through, um, you know, with Dr. Hughes, he's get with the Center for Health Analytics and Insight, which is a, um, a branch of SAS, I believe, and really talking about big data, which is a big piece of healthcare um, consumerism, but also, you know, how do, how do you leverage big data across multiple different channels? I mean, the interesting dynamic here with uh, Dr. Graham and, and uh, uh, with uh, SAS Institute and what they're doing with the Center for Health Analytics and Insights is that you know, this is a major, major uh, global IT uh, technology company, and they're uh, excited about uh, the opportunities they had in the space, and they're, you know, very interested in, in this data analytic piece. So it'll be really interesting to see where they see big data uh, applicability in the space, but, the you know, just the the size of that company being as committed to this healthcare space is a validation of how this world is changing. Yep, and some of the some of the things that we're going to learn from from that specific segment, you know, what is big data? What's the what role does health analytics play, or does analytics play in the healthcare space? And then, um, you know, what can you know help the healthcare industry li- really learn? from other industries around big data. So that's going to be very interesting. And uh, thank you to all our guests that are going to be joining us today. Look forward to a great conversation here on Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Um, For everybody... Go ahead, ahead, Doug. No, that's okay, Brian. For everybody out there, um, we do post these... um, you know, post these after the show, all the uh, all the archives, and you can actually go to our uh, YouTube channel as well, which is youtube.com backslash the IHC radio. Uh, you can find all the, the past um, shows that we've done here on IHC radio. So that is a place where you can keep current with everything we're doing here at the Institute. So... Um, and you know, talking about technology, yeah, yeah, talking about technology, we're pretty excited about. Uh, we just rolled out a uh, roadshow breakfast series with uh, that we're producing in conjunction with Castlight Health, and uh, you know, we're holding it in three uh, metro markets uh, in September: uh, September seventeenth in Baltimore, uh, September eighteenth in uh, Tyson's Corner, Virginia. And September 24th in Chicago, uh, and you can find this information on our website under the event tab, and you can click on the breakfast series. But, you know, 
Castlelight Health, you know, obviously, you know, a new public company over the last year. And, uh, you know, they began in what is called the transparency space, but they fastly advanced to really become a more engagement. But even more than that, a really a, a technology platform that enables an employer and their employees to really get their arms around healthcare. Mm-hmm. And they uh, uh, empower their employees to make better intelligent decisions, and the employers to analyze the data. So we're pretty excited about this. We've got a really uh, good lineup of uh, speakers from the Catholic executives to key human resource executives, benefit executives, to partners like Connect to Care, key brokers like Aon Hewitt and Willis, uh, partners like Alkalade. So, uh, you know, take a look at our website, theihcc.com. Go to the event tab and click down to the breakfast series. It's free. It's uh, it's held from 7.30 and 9.30 local time to give, you know, people an opportunity to come and network and learn and connect and share, which is kind of our theme, and it, engage in this discussion and then be to work. So, uh, again, Baltimore, 17th. Uh, Tyson's Corner, the 18th, Chicago, uh, the 24th, and maybe look for some more cities uh, down the road. Yep. The uh, one of the things, and I know, you know, one of the things that we've always talked about on the program is these private exchanges, <coughs> mm-hmm. and to move, you know, to look at some of these private exchanges, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of moving things that are going on right now. <laughs> if you look at um, you know, something that just came out from Finley Davies that we will have up on our website if it's not already there right now is uh, a private exchange checklist. And I think, I can't remember if it was last week, Doug, or the week before you and I kind of talked about what are some of the key things to ask mm-hmm. when you're evaluating the private exchange. And Finley Davies uh, has come out with a list of, you know, looks like 20, 25 questions that you need to look at from um, the flexibility standpoint of some of these exchanges out there from an operational standpoint as well and then a uh, compensation uh, side of it as well and so uh, looks like Bruce Davis who's the the principal and uh, health and group benefits national practice leader is the person who's really driving this uh, here at Finley Davies so if you wanted find out a little bit more about these questions you can definitely check it out on our website or or contact uh bruce directly some of the questions on here underneath flexibility is um do these exchanges do they allow the employer to select the the provider networks on Mm -hmm. there um you know so that's one thing you always want (coughs) to definitely be paying attention to and then to what extent can the employer select exchange medical rx plan designs um from an operational standpoint, how do you interface with the employer to acquire health benefit eligibility information from uh, from an operational standpoint, and then from a compensation standpoint? You know, if self-insured, what are some of the comp- uh, compensation arrangements around these private exchanges? So, uh, and then and then to what extent to does uh, an exchange deal with billing, like single billing, <clears throat> real opportunity, you know, real uh, benefit in exchanges. What To what extent does an exchange help manage the compliance issue around, uh, you know, your health care plan? So all of these are key questions. And, again, uh, we're going to have this up. Uh, this will be up actually on privatehealthcareexchange.com. Okay. Uh, and also on privatehealthcareexchange.com. Uh, we've recently added, I think, up to 10 new exchanges. I think we're up to 165 exchanges. So if you haven't taken a look at this guide, um, you know, we, we urge you to check out privatehealthcareexchange.com. I yep. mean, our goal there is to really help be the guide to 
pri- private exchanges and defined contribution solutions. And for everybody who's listening to the program like right now, as, as we do every week, um, for those of you who want uh, to get some deep discounts on the subscription models there, uh, either the monthly or the yearly, um, if you type in IHC Radio, all caps, um, you will be able to qualify for those discounts. Uh, again, use promo code IHC Radio, all caps, to get that uh, discount on either the monthly or the yearly program um, subscription there. So, one of the other things uh, as we kind of close the news and views is WellPoint actually made a move to uh, change their name. I don't know if ever, everyone saw that, but uh, changed their name to Anthem uh, more. You know, when you read the press release behind what, why they did it, is one to align the brand, but also the move in this market towards consumerism. Yeah, it's, it's it's really not to confuse the consumer. I mean, Anthem has always been one of their names, but it's been but it's been confusing to the consumers. Here, here's WellPoint, and then here's Anthem. So now they're going to use the singular name uh, Anthem. And I think you know the other news is Cigna has rolled out as we close this uh, news and views. Cigna has rolled out their exchange. Uh, really ahead of schedule on a national basis. So the Cigna Exchange has now been accelerated. It's now up there, out there on a uh, national basis. So now, just to, and just to recap uh, before we go to break here, uh, $99 super saver rate available till September eighth. Uh, $99. Go to the IHCC backslash forum uh, for information on that and to register. Um, again, IHC Radio, all caps, to get the subscription uh, discounts either on a monthly or yearly standpoint. And uh, look forward to all our guests joining us here on uh, Healthcare Consumerism Radio. So everyone stay tuned for the next segment. Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Hey everybody, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and you've heard us talk a lot about private healthcare exchanges on the program. For anyone who's interested in listening to this program now, visit privatehealthcareexchanges.com and enter promo code IHC Radio for special discounts on subscriptions to the site. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. This is americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. 
Hey, this is Doug Fields, CEO of the Institute, along with my co-host, Brent Macy, Managing Director, and welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. You know, the, not only is there a lot of innovation taking place, but a lot of innovation taking place around helping consumers make more intelligent decisions about on their health plan choices. They, you know, what is, for the first time, a very complex, you know, decision-making process. And, and joining us to talk about what they're doing to help consumers in that decision-making is Stephen Warwick, CEO of Health Decisions U.S. Stephen, good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, thanks thanks for joining us, taking time to join us today. Uh, good to have you with us. Uh, my pleasure. I really appreciate the chance to talk to you, sir. Hey, Stephen, can you um, give our audience a little background on Health Decisions U.S., and then we'll get into some specifics, but tell our audience what you guys are doing and, you know, where you originated from, et cetera. Yeah, certainly. Um, our company was started about a year, maybe a year and three months ago, um, as people were uh, starting this process of trying to figure out what was going on with uh, uh, healthcare.gov, really. Okay. And uh, everybody that was involved with this uh, recognized that although healthcare.gov looked like the problem was in just using the site, uh, once people really got down to the process of trying to choose health plans, um, that was the place where the real rubber met the road, and it was very difficult for people to do so. And we recognized this problem and uh, recognized that in reality there are ways of simplifying how you can go about looking at health plans and making good decisions on how to um, distinguish between them. Yeah. And uh, so we just began a process of developing technology around that, and that's essentially where health decisions started. Stephen, I like how I like your analogy to um, you know health insurance, remarkably similar to investing in a mutual fund. Talk to our audience a little bit more about what you mean by that. Uh, yes, this was actually uh, kind of a uh, the, the light bulb that um, that motivated us to to develop the technology that we did was was recognizing that uh, essentially you're making an investment. In um, a product which you're hoping to essentially minimize your out your, your cost moving forward, which is uh, the same essential analysis as you're doing when you're trying to put money into a mutual fund or a stock fund and trying to maximize your amount of, of return. And in those particular cases, what you see is you know an interest in increasing your return or increasing your the value of your investment and. Uh, minimizing the risk you have to uncertainty, and of course, minimizing the management fees that are associated with um, you know the cost of doing business. Essentially, and remarkably, those same concepts apply when you're thinking about buying health insurance or, frankly, any insurance policy. Which is what you know what what do you expect in terms of the minimizing of your out-of-pocket expenses moving forward? You know what's your exposure to risk, which in the the health domain is really what's your exposure to cost sharing and the implications to that, and then what are your management fees or what are the implications of premiums on the you know, your costs associated with buying the insurance policy in and of itself. Now, Stephen, this is Brent. Um, when you kind of looked at developing your technology platform, you know, what did you see as some of the main problems facing consumers um, when they were making these health insurance decisions on their own? Oh, my God. I mean, the, the when you look at a plan and the plan details and all of the different parameters that are necessary to trade off, um, 
it really is an intractable problem. It's something that you just can't keep all the numbers in your head. And, you know, for folks I've talked to in the industry that are even very experienced with this, they can spend many, many hours trying to make decisions just on the financial basis alone of which plans are actually the most uh, economically valuable and the ones that meet their risk profile. And what, what's been interesting is, is that, you know, a lot of folks have looked at these decision tools in the past, and there's been, you know, uh, discussions about how do you present this concept of exposure to risk. And in our case, you know, we just said, look, you know, give people what they really want to know, which is how much their out-of-pocket expense might look like for the upcoming year, and also give them some real numbers on how cost-sharing can affect them. Mm-hmm. No, when that, you look, that, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, well, when you look, also you got this big emergence of these private exchanges out there, and some that could be tied to a defined contribution model. You know, what about if that is, you know, what an employee consumer is faced with? Is that is that a different um, set of decisions that they need to make? I don't think so. I think that that, that as we move forward, uh, if this concept of having to make decisions between different plans, both inside and outside companies, um, it comes down to the same fundamental questions of what am I getting for my money and what are, what's my exposure to risk. And uh, my expectation is that this kind of concept can translate into pretty much any of these decision, uh, decision scenarios. Stephen, uh, where has technology advanced itself around decision support to enable this to be executed? The real opportunity here uh, came from uh, some really interesting uh, kind of confluence of events. One is is that finally the ability to get uh, a complete compilation of all the plan parameters, the the underlying plan design parameters in a common data format that can be used for analysis. Um, The other one is the ability to identify appropriate actuarial models that are really uh, um, designed for people that want to be able to assess what their actual um, out-of-pocket exposure is going to be. And then the, the, the computational power that enables us to run these models in real time, um, all this has come about really for the first time, and which is what has enabled us to build this tool. Mm-hmm. What is your current business model? What, what's the business model for your solution? Uh, what, we, what we've been looking at really initially was uh, providing this as a solution that could be integrated in with other people's uh, products. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, getting into the business of providing an entire exchange or sales process initially really wasn't what our interest was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what we what we became more interested in was saying, okay, here, we can provide a point solution for a decision process that is really uh, unique in the industry. And by doing so, provide something that um, can be integrated easily into other people's t- technologies. And by doing so, kind of in an API format where uh, the user interface would be completely defined by the tool set that this is being integrated into. And uh, so that was our original approach. And recently we've been been highly encouraged to come up with something that's a little bit more user 
these are friendly and more consumer-facing so that we can go directly onto people's uh, websites for providing these kinds of solutions. So, so I'm, I'm sorry, Stephen. I didn't mean to really, are, so are, are you uh, looking directly at exchanges and health plans as your ultimate customer, all the above, or what, what is Oh, your... absolutely. I mean, you know, this is, uh, this is something that could easily fit into a state exchange or private exchange. Um, it easily shows, you know, something that can show up on a carrier's website. You know, even carriers have between, you know, 30 and 50 plans that yeah. people can choose yeah. from. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it would be, it's an easy fit for those kinds of, uh, uh, those opportunities. Now, when Stephen, when you're talking with your channel partners or your your end customer, um, how do you how do you evaluate the ROI with them with this type of solution? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, the ROI um, there's really two different ways that people uh, look at these things. One is uh, from a pure uh, convenience perspective, which is to say how much. How many more people are going to sign up for healthcare if they don't need to understand, you know, 20 parameters of every single health plan they're looking at? Um, so, from a just a success process, um, people look at that. Uh, the exchanges look at that and say, okay, you know, what is what's the incremental number of people that we can get to sign up, and you know, how much is that worth to us? And then, uh, you know, for folks that are in the business of selling insurance like online and the rest of it is all a matter of increasing the number of transactions and so there's an incremental revenue opportunity there and you know you can you can price based upon that opportunity but steven is this in place right now or or, or if not when is it rolling out oh well the, no the tool is actually operational uh with a a kind of a, a nice demonstration api on mm-hmm. our website you can just go on the health decisions us and yet in operation now, um, but it's the, it's the the interface that's there now is more for demonstration purposes. Um, it's not, although I will say we have had it out there and had consumers looking at it. Mm-hmm. We have some interesting results, uh, but really the intent is for it to be integrated in with other people's UI um, infrastructure. And Stephen, as you you know, this healthcare space is moving so fast, and you got private exchanges, you got public exchanges, you got you even got employers that are moving to full replacement plans, health plans are trying to figure out what they're doing as well um, with their solutions. Where where do you see this type of technology evolving, let's say, between now and, and 2018? Uh, well, initially, we have to have a much better and more straightforward way to, um, to solve the problem of just initial uh, for, for consumers to buy, buy plans and that's got to show up both inside the companies and, and on the individual public-private exchanges. Um, and then, you know, from this, you know, you can expect that, you know, people will be uh, really talking about the concept of, of, of portfolio planning. Um, and this is actually something that, that turns out to be really interesting is, is that, you know, many times people buy health insurance. They're not just buying that. They're buying two or three other uh, supplemental uh, plans for either drugs or long-term care. And tools like this, in particular ones like you that do this kind of modeling, can actually do this kind of multi-plan um, analysis so that one can truly see the impact of uh, looking at an entire portfolio. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm expecting that's going to be kind of the way things are going to go in the future as well. Well, Stephen, we really appreciate you joining us on the program today. Let our audience um, know how they can find you. Uh, just go to Health Decisions US, um, and that's uh, that's different than other health decision sites. This is healthdecisions.us, and uh, you can reach reach up to that. And we're very much looking forward to talking to people about it. All right, Stephen, thank you so much for uh, for your time today. You have a great weekend, and uh, to the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Solution providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at the ihcc.com. Hey, everybody. Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And it's that time again. I want to make you aware of IHC Forum West, November 10th through 12th at the Red Rock Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. We do have $99 Super Saver rates now available. Visit our website, theihcc.com, to register. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's breaking news, industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, Annual Publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook, a free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Hey, this is Doug Field along with my co-host Brent Macy, and welcome back to the segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. We have uh, a partner and friend of the Institute joining us right now, Perry Braun with uh, Benefit Advisors Network. Perry, good morning. Good morning, Doug. How are you? Uh, great. Good to have you. How's Ohio today? Uh, beautiful and sunny today. We're enjoying some very, very nice uh, summer and fall weather. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a Buckeye that misses my home state this time of year, particularly <laughs> as we come up on the fall and Buckeye weather. Plus, you got LeBron fever up there, too. So. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of good things happening out here in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, you do. Perry, well, tell us the good things happening. Give, give our audience a backgrounder on uh, Benefit Advisors Network, and then we'll move into this exchange discussion that I'm excited to have with you. So, Well, thanks for the opportunity to join you today. Uh, Benefit Advisors Network was founded in 2002, and we, are, uh, uh, we consider ourselves a premier national network of independent employee benefit brokerage and consulting companies. 
through our uh, enterprise, we support the agencies in delivering uh, leading tools and technologies and a series of subject matter experts so that they can deliver optimum results to their employee benefit customers. And we uh, intentionally limit uh, the number of affiliated memberships we have in, in the various markets, so we create a very dynamic and highly collaborative set of interactions within the uh, agencies that comprise up our membership. Yeah, I was. Uh, I appreciate the invite uh, in February to come and uh, participate with you in a quality group of, of, of members and quality group of employer clients that your membership uh, represents. So, what do you see out there? What do you you know? What do you and your membership see as we're kind of right on the cusp of moving into probably one of the most hectic open enrollment periods in the recent history, and it's going to be that way for a couple of years, I believe. So, what are you seeing as far as uh, defined contribution exchanges and? Uh, uh, across the landscape of your uh, members and their clients. Uh, and I think you're absolutely right. This is going to be a very, very hectic time. And, and I think the time uh, to where the agencies got started is actually earlier now because mm-hmm. of the uh, early renewal time period yeah, that that's folks right. introduced and implemented uh, this time last year, uh, given the uncertainty of what the mandate uh, provisions uh, were going to be implemented. So, yeah, I think it's a very hectic time, and, and I think uh, there's a lot of things that are happening w- with the strategic and tactical elements of the uh, of the clients that the agencies are working with. Fundamentally, I think clients are, are trying to determine uh, just how important and how relevant uh, benefits are uh, for, uh, for their employees mm-hmm. that uh, comprise their workforce. Uh, two, I think exchanges uh, were en- entered into the marketplace with the hopes that uh, employers would be uh, looking for ways to provide more choice and more options and, and opportunities for clients to choose and select programs. But I think clients were standing in place uh, waiting to see what was going to happen. And I think today they are still standing in place, and I don't think we've seen the adoption in the uh, exchange marketplace that was forecasted uh, this time last year. And in the interim, there's been a lot more entrants, as you know, Doug, that have come yeah. into that marketplace. Yeah. And it has uh, created a very, very competitive environment with uh, tremendous features and benefits around decision support, customer support, data reporting, integration with other parts of an employer's business to create a, a much more paperless, efficient, administrative environment, and uh, all of which have created through competition a much better transactional environment as well. And the result, I think, is that there's been a compression in some of the pricing strategies from the mm-hmm. various uh, exchange mark, uh, players to a point where uh, employers who stood on the sidelines last year and sort of watched the strategy develop and are now thinking of entering into it now are probably coming in with an opportunity at a lower a lower administrative price point uh, than had they uh, entered in, into it this time last year. Do you see, um, you know, this coming out of this fall's uh, open enrollment period, do you see uh, one of the things that we kind of read the tea leaves on, uh, you, we, A, we're going to see more employers move into the exchanges than obviously did last fall, but to your point, I don't think we're going to see the mass movement that I believe is ahead, but I think as we get more testimonials coming from employers and their advisors on good things happening in exchanges. I mean, we know there's going to be problems out there that need to be ironed out, but good things happening across different industry segments that may surprise somebody. Uh, Do you look ahead and see 2016 being the first uh, potential explosion year for exchanges and defined contribution plans? 
Yeah, and I think defined contribution plans have been in and around yeah. uh, the discussion around boardrooms and executive teams for a lot of years. In fact, uh, what is what employees are contributing today through payroll in support of the of their plans? They mm-hmm. are, are almost uh, resembling a defined contribution approach. I think the interesting part of your question is the product companies still still have some leverage in in mm-hmm. how quickly the exchanges are 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 and can be adopted. So uh, you know as well as I do that the product companies, um, if they agree to place their products on all these exchanges mm-hmm. that are out there giving employees more choice to more products, I think we will probably see faster adoption, all with the assumption that the underlying economics and underwriting uh, principles hold true to what the exchanges are offering to employers that are considering it. Perry, when you look at um, you know the public exchanges and the private exchanges, you know where do you see the evolution over the next twelve months on on both sides of those, public and private? And then, as you kind of look at these exchanges as well, um, again whether it's public or private, do you see some that that are a better model for certain industries out there? Whether it's the hospitality industry, whether it's a manufacturing industry. That's a great question. I think some, first of all, as far as public and private exchanges go, I think the the public exchanges are beginning to uh, sort of nest themselves towards the individual and small group market, Mm -hmm. and the private exchanges uh, appear to be focusing more so on the the mid to upper market, and I think Mm -hmm. it makes sense from a strategic standpoint. So I think that's going to continue in the near term. I think for the second part of your question, whether there are particular industries that some of these are gravitating to, I think that human resource and chief financial officers within particular industries uh, share what they're doing and what their strategies are within various association and and roundtable forums that they participate in. I know, Doug, you've spoken at a number of these sort of industry-type forums. And if one of these peers to them have enjoyed uh, success, testimonial, as you outlined before, with one of these service providers, then others are looking at them as well. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure there is today, to your question, Brent, a, a conscious um, evolution of one of these transaction providers doing very, very well in one of these industries, but I think there is some of that happening in the market today. Yeah, You know, Perry, we've um, had other guests on to talk about this, and I think you uh, mentioned this in uh, your questionnaire. I'd be curious to what you and your membership see as it relates to health management and wellness you know how is it going to survive thrive in this exchange environment again yeah another great question i think the wellness companies have been elbowed out of the discussion around cost management mm-hmm. in large part because the medical delivery system the insurance-based products that have networks and things attached to them um included many of the preventative and, and wellness aspects mm-hmm. of it. But in today's market, if the benefit plans that are, you know, platinum and gold and bronze and silver and copper even, uh, remain in place and more adoption of those benefit plans uh, occur, then I think we're going to see a nationalization of benefit programs. And now the question sort of pivots, in my opinion, if an employer wishes to distinguish themselves differently or differentiate themselves differently in order to attract and retain uh, qualified employees, 
uh, outside of the pure benefit plan now, what makes them different? Is mm-hmm. it comp and is it other types of things? Mm-hmm. And I think wellness programming can be repositioned or pivoted to become now a differentiating component of what an employer offers to an employee. And I think, and I remember you talking about this in some of your uh, presentations as well, as we look at the generational differences from X through the millennials, each of them have a varying degree of importance or place a varying degree of of importance on certain things like work-life balance. And I think to the millennials, uh, these types of programming uh, programs in wellness may be of an attractive component to join an, an employer group and or be retained as an employee with that employer. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of employers too, uh, Perry, I don't know whether you agree uh, or disagree with this, a lot of employers are setting back and re-looking at health management wellness and hear, actually hearing the message about health and productivity within their organization, reduction of absenteeism, improvement of productivity across their workforce. And that message is starting to get through, you know, to them. And I would agree with you, and I would add one more thing. And and I believe that employers are are trying to maximize um, what they can get out of the employee workforce that they have in place today. And as you know, they have been, employers have been standing on the sidelines measuring where they're investing their dollars until there's a little bit better certainty in the future as they see it. And so they, they haven't necessarily expanded their workforce, but they have been making investments now in their workforce to keep them healthier and productive, absenteeism, presenteeism, all these sort of metrics that have been evolving over time in order to make sure that they take care of that very, very valuable asset that's producing a good and service that is uh, doing well for these employers in the marketplace. Perry, we got a, about two minutes left before we're up against the next break, but wanted to, to kind of dip into the um, the political spectrum here, the, the midterms that are coming up. Um, you know, it's going to be a big midterm election. What do you see um, based on these midterms with the, the healthcare industry specifically? I, I think right now, um, both the healthcare industry and the employers that are sort of measuring what's happening, I don't think there's going to be a lot of fundamental change in their strategies and or in their tactics. I think they're going to want to see what the outcome is from the election. And depending upon your game theory or scenario, 2015 would represent a very small window of legislative opportunity to make sort of dramatic and and big changes to what's in place because we have a federal election that will be fast uh, fast upon us in two, 2016. So mm-hmm. my best advice and my best sort of forecast will be the status quo is the status quo, and there may be some things on the margin, but I believe what we have today is what we'll probably see uh, is what we're going to have tomorrow, unless there are some big changes in things like tax policy and some very unique things in the business environment like regulation and regulatory uh, aspects that may cause employers to make some um, make more dramatic changes. Well, Perry, we, we really appreciate you joining us today on the program. Um, let our audience know how they can find you, um, and if there's brokers, consultants out there looking to uh, inquire about joining your organization. Uh, thank you, and, and thanks for the time today. Please uh, join us on our public website at BenefitAdvisorsNetwork.com, and all of our contact information is on there. All right, Perry, thank you so much for uh, joining us again, and uh, have a great weekend to the rest of our audience. Stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio.
Thank you. Hey, everybody. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And you've heard us talk a lot about private healthcare exchanges on the program. For anyone who's interested in listening to this program now, visit privatehealthcareexchanges.com and enter promo code IHC Radio for special discounts on subscriptions to the site. Solution Providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at the IHCC.com. Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Hey, everybody. Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And it's that time again. I want to make you aware of IHC Forum West, November 10th through 12th at the Red Rock Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. We do have $99 Super Saver rates now available. Visit our website, theihcc.com, to register. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Hey, this is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, along with my co-host, uh, Brent Macy, Managing Director. And welcome back to the segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio, where the discussion continues around innovation. And specifically on this segment, it talks about big data, something that may confuse a lot of people out there. And that's something that uh, uh, we hope Dr. Graham Hughes, Chief Medical Officer with the Center for Health Analytics and Insights, uh, a part of SAS Institute, uh, is here to uh, open our eyes to. Uh, Dr. Graham, uh, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you on the program today. Tell us a little bit about uh, SAS Institute and the Center for Health Analytics and Insights, and then we'll get into the discussion on um, big data. Okay, yeah. Um, SAS Institute is uh, the largest global provider of analytic tools and services uh, in the world. We have the premier suite of uh, advanced analytic applications that serve multiple different industries, and so whether it's financial markets and monitoring liquidity or, or market basket portfolio risk to bioterrorism threats and anticipating uh, risk associated with, um, uh, with those types of things, pricing optimization, consumer engagement, and so forth, so forth you know, forecasting the weather. Um, we have a, a healthcare division within SAS, um, which is focused on payer provider, employers, big pharma, Mm-hmm. and value-added providers and intermediaries who uh, need to uh, manipulate data to try and improve 
um, healthcare from their particular perspective. I, uh, I'm a physician and I lead a group which is a, a research and innovation group within our health and life sciences team looking for new ways that big data can be applied uh, across the industry to improve patient care and to um, help us better understand how we can improve outcomes while controlling costs. Yeah, tell us specifically what you're doing around uh, patient engagement uh, for population health. Talk a little bit more about that, please. Yeah, that's a really that's a, a really huge topic, and I think one that's really uh, not particularly well understood. But mm-hmm. uh, we think about patient engagement and population health as a as a lot that uh, I think healthcare organizations can learn from other industries. Other industries have been trying to figure out for years how to use data that they have on their consumers and their customers uh, to make the interactions more sticky, whether that's on the web or whether it's through other types of outreach uh, approaches. And so what we've seen is that healthcare has been very slow to pick up on these types of proven techniques. Um, And whether that's using what I think sometimes has been called the the data exhaust that we all leave behind, the digital trail that you and I leave, not only through electronic health records and claims data, uh, and more more recently things like uh, information about your genomic predisposition, but but other stuff that is more like big data that is outside of uh, of you and that surrounds you, which is you know sociodemographic, behavioral data, geo data, air quality, distance to health center. Those types of uh, data are now starting to become aggregated uh, in a secure fashion to better understand your likely risk. Uh, as in, both as an individual as well as groups of individuals like you know, diabetic patients or patients with congestive heart failure and better anticipating what the needs of those patients might be over the, the next six months to 12 months rather than just looking at the performance in the past. So a lot of this is then understanding the population, understanding their risk, but also understanding what might be the right way to engage in them, mm-hmm. not just in this episodic face-to-face type of model that we're so familiar with, but more in a 24 by 7 type model that has been that, that we've all grown used to mm-hmm. uh, with uh, other consumer-based uh, organizations, whether it through, be through web interaction or uh, video conferencing or other types of outreach mechanisms. So different outreach mechanisms and interventions need to be applied for different types of consumers within the the healthcare ecosystem. And whichever angle you're coming at it, big data is at the heart of the way that you need to understand both both, uh, risk as well as prioritization, preference for engagement, and and then to be able to measure the engagement uh, of the individual and then what it is that you might need to do next to respond to that. So that's where healthcare can really learn from some of the uh, other industries when it comes to really engaging consumers. Exactly, we've uh, you know we've uh, we've had instances over the years where large retail organizations have have made a, a science out of this, and whether it's uh, whether it's organizations like Walmart or Target that actually utilize all of the information that they have to uh, provide you with. Um, coupons and buying recommendations as soon as you check out of the store based upon uh, your buying patterns and the other information that they may know about you. But the idea is to target things that are meaningful for you, uh, not something that's intrusive or this type of big brother approach, yeah. 
but more to be how do we optimize not only the interaction with the individual customer and groups of customers, but how do we uh, better optimize things like pricing and store placement. So these things that have been done for years in other industries, um, including things like page level optimization, so you're probably very familiar that when you, when you go to a particular website, your experience on that website for most of the advanced interactions is very different than my interaction would be mm-hmm. because they're highly personalized and we've missed that level of personalization mm-hmm. in healthcare and that personalization is typically driven by advanced analytical applications like SAS that are computing hundreds of millions of data points uh, at scale to try and make sure that we can better anticipate what might be the right thing for you next. And in this case, it might be spotting patterns like uh, the fact that, you know, you need a, a blood test or a checkup or that it might be to try and encourage you to more actively engage in uh, wellness campaigns. And there are different things that will work for different populations based upon, you know, whether you're a, uh, a person that is highly digitally engaged or someone who, who isn't. And those are the types of techniques that have been used uh, time and time again but have just not been applied very effectively yet in healthcare. Dr. Hughes, this is Brent. Um, when you... You know, why do you think that the healthcare system or, you know, healthcare in general has been so slow to adopt these, these types of tools that you're speaking to? Well, it's, it's interesting. I think it's been a uh, – it, it, there hasn't really been that much of an incentive to, to engage uh, customers. Uh, in other <laughs> words, you know, if you get sick, you, you, go, and see, you go and see your doctor, and uh, in general, uh, there's a demand there that you don't need to solicit. And if you're, a, if you're a physician or a physician group and you're incented primarily on just um, dealing with as much volume as you can and that the more patients you see, uh, the more money you make, then, um, you know, the, the incentives are all skewed wrongly and it's yeah. almost 360 degrees or 180 degrees, I guess I could say, away from a typical type of consumer-based interaction where you're looking uh, to try and uh, create stickiness and your competition instead of just being purely uh, on uh, adverse experiences, which is essentially when people get sick, is that by incenting uh, performance-based contracting and value-based payment models, is suddenly you start to get alignment of the incentives to try and do what patients really want, which is mm. to stay healthy and keep out of hospital. Yeah. And, of course, to this point where the money had gone was in uh, making sure that patients take take more medications and have more procedures. So I think that we're starting to create an ecosystem where it's in everyone's interest to engage the patient more actively, uh, not just to maximize the amount of money that can be uh, withdrawn from you know a particular population, but to um, to optimize wellness and healthcare, which is all about having to understand risk and get ahead of the game which pretty much every industry has to understand. Um, risk has just not been something that healthcare provider organizations have cared that much about from a, a population health management perspective because they were, were not incented to do it. So a lot of the healthcare reform focus on transitioning to value-based payment models and increasing risk being pushed to the provider, uh, I think starts to put the emphasis where it's needed, which is you know, at the point of decision. And so we're now getting to a stage where it's rather like the, the family physician of the past. They, they used to know you, your family, your <laughs> brothers, sisters, your parents, the, 
They may even have brought you into the world, and uh, they see you down at the corner store and at the at the local church, and they understand you as an individual. Those days have typically gone, uh, but now with some of these digital tools and techniques is that we can proxy for that by better understanding you as an individual and the motivations that you have so that recommendations can be much more highly tailored and personalized. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting that, to your point. I mean, patients haven't been treated as consumers and patients haven't understood how to act as consumers, and now we're in that age where... You know, all of that is taking place. Um, we got about two minutes to go, uh, Graham, and I want to give you, you know, give us kind of a look ahead to 2020. You know, what, what this experience might look like, if you can do that in a, a minute or two. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, it's always risky looking into the crystal ball. Yeah. You know, you look back on this in 10 years or five years and say, uh, what, what were they thinking? But um, I, I think that what we're going to see if we're in uh, 2020 is not so much that um, all of the technology has dramatically changed. But what we will do is we're going to use the data we have today and the technology that exists today uh, much more effectively. I think we're just on the uh, early stages of learning how to integrate the data, clean the data up, make it available. So uh, I imagine a situation which is much more focused on the patient as consumer and the individual, where instead of the physician Today, the physician, the health plan, the employer is getting all of the information and being enabled as a sort of, um, uh, you know, in a patriarchal type sense to uh, assist and provide guidance to to the um, to the patient as some uh, notional sort of external third party. Is that I think that what's going to happen is that these all of these tools will start to be focused as capability that is empowering for us, um, for, for you and for me. And what I mean by that is that you will be the first to know rather than last to know, and that you would be in control through uh, a series of localized health applications, whether on your mobile device, whether linked to sensor technology that you're wearing, or whether it be to, you know, um, uh, other wearable technologies and computers is that the idea is that you would be notified ahead of anyone else based on your preferences, your security, what you want to share, uh, is that they would be giving you health coaching guidance and advice, and you would be able to link in or uh, connect to healthcare providers and other caregivers using the big data that you're now utilizing to power the transformation in healthcare. So I think we're really going to see a shift away from uh, the healthcare provider or the health plan and the employer as being the uh, the owner and the manager of those data back to the patient having control of the big data assets and how they're used. All right, hey, Dr. Hughes, uh, we're coming up to a hard stop here and uh, really, really appreciate uh, your insight and the discussion with you today. And uh, we at the Institute look forward to continuing that with you. You uh, have a great weekend and I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And to our audience, uh, we'll see you next week on Healthcare Consumerism Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.